0: Hello and welcome to this message from Calvary Church. We're excited to hear from our guest speaker, Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church and host of PowerPoint Radio. We pray this message strengthens your relationship with the Lord. If it does, let us know. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to support the ministry of Calvary Church financially, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org/give. Myths about angels are everywhere. We get many of our ideas about them from the media, but it's important to understand what they really are. In the message, angels, who they are, what they do, and why it matters, Dr. Graham walks us through scripture to reveal the truth about angels and what they offer us. Now, please open your Bible to Psalm 91 as he begins.
1: Well, I do want to bring you a message called angels, who they are, what they do and why it matters, who they are, what it, what they do and why it matters. And I want to say at the outset, just to put you at ease in case you're ill at ease, this message is not about the book that I wrote, uh, it's about God's word and what God's word says about angels. It doesn't matter what my book says if it's not saying what the Bible says. And so it, this is not Jack Graham and the book. This is God's word and, and this unique and very unusual subject of angels. You know, we talk a lot in our generation about, about Satan, about demons and demon spirits. And there's been a focus. And we should be prepared. Knowing that we're in spiritual battles all around us. That there is a devil and there are demon spirits and forces all around us that engage us in spiritual warfare. So to be forewarned is to be uh, prepared uh, to be forearmed. And, and so that's important. But I, I began to think, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about the devil. There's a lot of talk about demons. But what about the angels? What about God's angels? Not just Satan's demons. I wrote a book called unseen and in it we talked about the unseen world heaven and hell spiritual warfare the mind the soul things like that and in it I I had a chapter on angels and apparently there was so much interest in that particular chapter on angels that the publisher came to me and said would you write a book just about angels do an angel book and I said absolutely not because I thought, number one, I said pretty much, you know, all I need to say right now about the angels. I, you know, I had a chapter on that. And then to some people, it's. Somewhat a friend subject. There's been so much fanaticism about the angels. And if you read an angel book, typically today it's a lot of stories and stuff that you wonder whether it's real or unreal. Not a lot of biblical base. Billy Graham wrote a book that I highly recommend on angels back in the 70s or 80s. It's fantastic, called Angels God's Secret Agents. You should get that. You should get all of Billy Graham's books, in fact. And God bless him and thank uh, God for his ministry all those years. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good place to do that. Anyway, so there are a few good things written. David Jeremiah, my friend, wrote a good book on angels, but not a lot there. So I saw it a little bit as okay, that's a fringe topic, and 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 uh, and then you know it seemed uh, frankly with all apologies, dear ladies, you know, kind of like a feminine subject. It'd be a book, you know, guys, you know, don't, they don't care about the angels. And I don't want to be angel boy. The guy out there writing the book about angels and, 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 you know, woo woo. And, and, and so I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to write a book about angels. I don't think there's one. If you're going to do something, you know, it really ought to grip your own heart. So I said, no. Several weeks later, month maybe, I'm with dear friends of ours. And she's dying of cancer. And she's related to my publisher and so on. And she says to me, uh, Jack, you just really need to reconsider this and write this book about angels. Because I'm dying. I'm going to be with the Lord soon. I'm going to see the angels soon. I want to know more. Just like I want to know more about what heaven is like, I want to know about who's in heaven and all about these angel beings that the Bible talks about in heaven. And and, oh, by the way, are angels going to come and get me when I died? What does the Bible say about that? And and what about the comfort that I need in times like these? Will angels be there to guard and guide me home? We talked about that a while and I thought, well, my goodness, I got to reconsider at least I mean, how can you turn that down? So I go home, I get my trusty uh, legal pad out and a pen and my Bible, and I begin to write all the angel references that I could find in the Scripture. And it took me quite a while. Because when you add it all up, there are right at 300 specific references to angels in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation and in between. And in particular, around surrounding the life and ministry of Jesus. Angels are everywhere around Jesus and his ministry. And so when I began writing it out, 300 references. And if you add in the times that it speaks of the Lord as being the Lord of hosts. That's another 200 plus references to the Lord of hosts. Who are the host? Who is the host uh, of the Lord? That's the angel armies of God. Love the Chris Tomlin song, Lord of Angel Armies. The Lord of Hosts means the Lord of Angel Armies, the Lord God Almighty. And these hosts, these heavenly hosts that are much more than a choir, though they do worship the Lord, but they're like a mighty army moving in behalf of the Lord our God. And so when I began to see that and write them down, I began to get excited about what I was seeing. These angels showing up everywhere, often in scriptures that you and I, I've been studying the Bible seriously now a long, long time. And yet I had overlooked some of the references to the angels and the appearances of the angels in very prominent stories in the Bible, for example, one, remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil in the wilderness and he fought the devil and one established his uh, authority over Satan at the outset of his ministry. And then an angel came and ministered to him. I don't know why, but I had just sort of forgotten or had overlooked the fact that there in that moment at the end, an angel came to minister to Jesus in his humanity, though his deity was strong he was diminished in strength and an angel came and uh, and ministered to him i mean that's just one example the giving of the law the giving of the 10 commandments angels were present so when i began to see all of these references to angels i said you know what i do need to write this book To to deal with some of the myths and misconceptions about angels that people have. Because there's a lot of fantasy, a lot of folklore, a lot of what, you know, your aunt may have told you or your grandmom that's really not in the Bible. So what does the Bible say about angels? Who they are, what they do, and why it matters. And now, I mean, I could talk all morning about it. In fact, I am talking all morning about it. And last night. But take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 91. I want to show you two scriptures at the outset. And I've already told you that, that these angel references, I mean, you could hardly turn a page in your Bible without out hearing the flutter of angel wings. I mean, they are everywhere. And, and so in, uh, in Psalm 91, when you are in trouble, what do you do? You call 911. So, I would suggest you call Psalm 911. And it establishes something at the outset, verse 1 of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow, or will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress my god in whom i trust and this chapter is all about the shelter and the security that we have in the lord so you dial 911 and that's what you get god's protection and god's provision and god's promises and if you go ahead and dial psalm 9111 if you look down at verse 11 how does god shelter us One of the ways he secures us and shelters us, for he will command his angels concerning you. Now, pause for just a second there. Notice that the Lord commands the angels concerning their ministry in our lives. We do not command angels. We do not call for angels to do our work and do our bidding. We are never to obsess about angels or to constantly think about what are the angels doing or the angels around me this moment. Because actually the angels don't really want to be noticed all that much. They're sort of like the Navy SEALs who get in, undercover, get out, or get in, get the job done, and get out. And that's the way angels typically operate. Uh, Billy Graham once said, I've never seen an angel, but I believe in angels not because I've seen one, but because the Bible tells me they exist. And because the Bible tells me angels are real, then I believe the Bible. If you believe the Bible, you will believe in angels. But who are they? What do they do? And why does it matter? So God commands the angels to do what? Verse 11. To guard you in all your ways. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Angels are provided by God on mission in heaven and in earth. To worship God. To war in spiritual battle for our God and for his people. And to witness of the power and the glory of God. This is the mission and the ministry of angels. You've heard of theology. Theology. What is theology? Theology means the study of God. The study of God. So under theology from the scripture, it's all of this truth, and you might call them doctrinal truths or biblical truths and and that's theology and and the goal of your life as a believer should to know more and more about God through his word and in that theological perspective there is this this whole this whole perspective of angels and one reason that you should know about the angels and consider the angels and 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 understand who they are, what they do, and why it matters, is because the more, when you know more about them, you will know more about the greatness and the glory and the grace of God in your life. Angels are never about themselves. They're always pointing people to Jesus. The one who is on the throne. The one who is adored and celebrated in all eternity. The angels are not about themselves and their ministry but about their commanding and their calling from God. And that's very, very, very important. And you know, it's not important whether or not you've ever seen an angel or not, humanly, physically. I've met people who say, I've seen an angel. I don't know that I've ever seen an angel. I may have, I may not have had seen an angel, physically. But I know angels exist. And it's not as important to me that i see the angels but what is important to me and what i learned from god's word is the angels see me the angels see you and paul the scripture tells us that paul even says the angels long to look on those things concerning god's people god's church they are leaning in did you know that angels are leaning in right now they are in this room They are around us. There is a spiritual realm uh, all around us, and it is tissue paper thin that separates the, the earthly world from the eternal world. This spiritual realm that is all around us, that is, that is more real than anything you see. The fact that we don't see spiritual realities doesn't lessen their reality. The fact is, angels are more real. Second Corinthians four eighteen says the temporal world this this world that we see is passing away is transitory it's 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 uh, not lasting but the eternal world the unseen world lasts forever that's more real than what you see so all around us are things we do not see including angel beings who are present in our lives. So what do they do? Three things I want you to hear about the angels today. And I pray that God would open your eyes to this, eyes of faith. Because it will make a difference in your life, the way you see your life. Um, There was a prophet, Elisha. He and his servant were in a city surrounded by the Syrian army. And the Syrian army was ready to capture the great prophet and his servant. And the the, the, uh, the servant was freaking out that they were about to die. He says, Elijah, what are we going to do? And remember what Elijah, El- it's not Elijah, Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he can see that they that are with us are more than they which are against us. And God did open the eyes of, of that servant and he saw a ring of fire and chariots and horses and this powerful angel army in the invisible world in the unseen world surrounding them and protecting them my prayer is that god would give you the eyes to see the spiritual eyes the eyes of faith to see that surrounding your life is this guardianship These wonderful angels who will minister to you specifically and to God's church corporately. Who are they? They are worshipers. Now, I already alluded to this, that angels are worshipers. 24-7. Angels are around the throne of God, adoring Him, worshiping Him. One of the places we see the angels the most is in the book of Revelation. And when you read the Revelation, these angel beings are around the throne, joining the saints of the ages. That's, that's you and me. Because remember this, very, very important. Angels are created beings. Created by God, specifically for a purpose that God has designed for the angels. They were created in eternity past, before men and, and men and women were created before the creation of time as we know it the angels existed they were created by god and because they were created by god they have they are immortal they are innumerable Scripture says when counting the angels, there are thousands upon thousands times tens of thousands and thousands of thousands, which is biblical language to say there's a bazillion of them. (laughs) Millions and myriads of angels around the throne of God, worshiping the Lord. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he saw God on the throne, our Lord Jesus himself, on the throne of eternity. And what did he see around the throne? These cherubim and seraphim, meaning the the shining ones. The shining ones. They are reflecting the glory of God as they are buzzing about the throne. They have wings. They have multiple feet and legs. They're just, it's 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 like a beehive of activity if you will around the throne of god as these angel beings are are present there's so much activity and so much excitement around the throne of of uh, of heaven and 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 it's loud if you don't like church loud you may not like heaven for a while i don't know if they're passing out earplugs there or not but it's going to be loud because what are those angel beings saying again and again and again they're saying holy 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 is the lord god Almighty." Because the core the core and central attribute of God is His holiness. Totally separate, distinct, unique. God and God alone. Jesus only. And these angels are there all around the throne and myriads of others who are worshiping Him and celebrating Him, adoring Him. Angels and their activities should prompt us, who are the redeemed, to worship all the more because we have experienced something that even angels have never experienced, and that's salvation in Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven of our sin, our lives have been transformed. We were lost, but now we're found. We have been saved by the grace of God. You talk about amazing grace. If you think we're amazed by grace, how must the angels must be amazed by the grace of God that would save a wretched and sinful human being. God who is holy, holy, holy would reach down and save us. We shout it and sing it forever because our God has loved us like this. In his pure holiness, he has chosen to love us and to save us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross, to rise again. We're getting ready on Easter to celebrate that like never before. May God be praised. May our Savior be adored for what he has done. So that's why when we come to worship, we shouldn't stand around with our hands in our pocket or checking our phone thinking, you know, the music and the worship that's the warm-up for the word no the word and the worship together compel us to get into the presence of god to experience his presence personally the angels must at times be amazed at our lethargy and our lack of energy when we come to worship god for what he has done for us angels are worshipers never forget that Again, never pointing a finger at themselves. That's why we should never obsess about the angels, certainly never worship angels. You know, some new age ideas and ideologies and philosophies worship angels. I think some people like the angels because they view angels as a kinder, gentler version of God. You know, 80 something percent of people in America say they believe in angels. And many just, you know, want a softer, kinder presence of God in their lives. So they choose the angels. But the second verse that I want to show you is in Hebrews 13. I want you to focus again that this is verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 1. Are they not ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those Who are to inherit salvation. Underline those words, inherit salvation. To whom does God send the angels? Not to an unbelieving world, but to those who believe. To those who inherit salvation. That means those who are believers, those who are saved. So the promise of angels, not just for anyone and everyone. In fact, angels show up most often with unbelievers executing judgment. Executing judgment. As in the book of Revelation, pouring out bowls of wrath. Even in the garden of Eden, standing to guard the entrance to Eden as Adam and Eve take their exit because of their sins. So, for the unbelieving world, the angels really, that's not a good message for the unbelieving world. It's a good message for us. We don't worship the angels. It's good to wonder at the angels. But never worship angels. Uh, John, who had a glance of glory, John the Apostle, was taken up into heaven and he encounters an angel being and the angel is giving him a tour of the heavenly city. Imagine that giving him a tour of the heavenly city. So he is ta- sees this angel, and this angel is so powerful, so beautiful, so wonderful, so majestic that John the Apostle, who spent all that time with Jesus, uh, he gets on his face and he begins to worship that angel. And the angel says, John, get up. You're going to get us both in trouble here. Worship only God. Worship God, not angels. Because angels point us to the God who alone is worthy to be worshipped. So angels are worshipers. Angels are also warriors. Now I know, I know our imagination, what we've seen in art and in culture, you know, angels are cute, little cuddly cupids, maybe a little blue-eyed, blonde-haired doll. And even in our Christmas pageant, you know, we, our Christmas production, we fly the angels, believe it or not. And, 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 and I told them, I said, quit flying blue-eyed blondes as the angels. You know, a few of those is fine, but Really, when, when, when the angels show up, they're, they're not feminine at all in their physical manifestation, but they're viewed as powerful warriors, more like ninja warriors than little cupid dolls. They're mighty and powerful. And strong and they do battle in this spiritual realm that we talk about so they are worshipers they are also warriors engaging in the spiritual battles that are going on all around us and assisting us in this battle in what sense because you're in a spiritual battle we all are spiritual warfare ephesians chapter six there are demon spirits and these these demon spirits infest the earth and satan is not down in hell you know making people shovel coal satan's like a roaring lion loose on the earth seeking whom he may devour so satan is here the demons are here and it makes sense as the bible tells us that there's going to be a an increase of demonic activity at the end of the age in the last days and the scripture tells us that well then it also makes sense that with the increase of demonic activity there will be an increase of angelic activity and i believe we're seeing that on both counts today I know in the book of Revelations, as I mentioned, angels are extremely active in, in the story of our future that is recorded uh, in the Revelation. So these angels are involved in spiritual battles. Now, the demons are powerful, Satan is strong. When Satan fell, and Satan, I need to give you a little backstory here. Okay, so stay tuned. Here's the backstory. Sometime before the world was made, God created the angels, and something happened. It was a cataclysm of of unbelievable proportions. It's a mystery. Paul called it the mystery of iniquity. Why even sin exists? How could it happen? But in heaven, Lucifer, who was what? An angel. Lucifer, in fact, apparently he was a leading angel maybe even leading worship in heaven seemed to be one of the key worship leaders this is why satan to this day is allergic to praise because it reminds him of who he was and what he could have been when we praise our god so lucifer raises up a rebellion against god in heaven He said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. Lucifer, the shining one, the the son of the morning, he is called, becomes the father of the night. And Lucifer becomes the devil, a fallen angel. By the way, there are only three angel names that we know. Angels have personalities. They're not the same. They're not robots like some Star Wars army. They have personalities and names and even rank and serial numbers. Well, I don't know about the serial numbers, but I know they have ranks because they're in God's army and God's the commander in chief. And we're told that there are rankings of angels and there are three angels mentioned in the Bible. One is Lucifer, the fallen angel. The other is Michael, the archangel, and the other is Gabriel. And we're waiting for him to blow that horn. So these angels are involved in spiritual battle. One-third of the heavenly hosts fell with the, de- with the devil, with Lucifer. And these became the hordes of hell. The satanic beings, the demon spirits that are working so much havoc and hell on earth. But if my math is still correct, if one-third fell, that means two-thirds are elect. Not evil, but elect angels. The way I figure it, there's more on our team than on their team. Amen? And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The angel armies are working and warring in our behalf behind the scenes when we don't even understand what's going on. It happened to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. He's praying. He's fasting. He's getting weaker by the hour. And for 21 days, he's praying for his nation. And and nothing seems to be happening. Prayers aren't being answered. And then on the 21st day, an angel shows up and says to Daniel, Daniel, God heard your prayer on the very first day. But behind the scenes, a spiritual battle is taking place for the nation. And a demon so strong, so powerful, showed up in this battle that God had to send the big boy out, Michael the archangel, superhero angel, Michael the archangel, to go and deal with this demon and destroy this demon. But God said, all along, your prayers were heard. I want to say to you that when you pray, maybe you're praying for a, a, a lost child, a, a, a son, a daughter away from the Lord, and you're praying and praying and praying and fasting, crying out to God that they will come back to the Lord. Or maybe there's a problem in your marriage, and you're struggling in your home, and you're praying for your marriage, and it doesn't seem to be happening. Or you're praying for a neighbor to come to know Jesus, and they, they don't seem to be getting closer. But then you wonder, is is God hearing my prayers? I'm here to tell you that in Jesus Christ, God... Hears your prayers, but remember this on the first day you pray keep praying because behind the scenes this spiritual battle is going on Prayer is spiritual warfare Yes, prayer is worship. Yes prayer is asking and receiving from God But at the core of prayer it is spiritual battle the warfare is prayer Prayer is not preparation for battle. Prayer is the battle. And this is why we must stay in the spiritual battle and fight the good fight of faith. And the way we do that is by staying in prayer and keep on praying because God, in Jesus' name, has heard your prayers. Don't give up. Trust in God. And if it means sending an angel to conquer some demon spirit, he will do it in his own time and in his own way. Isn't that beautiful? God's warring for you. If that doesn't comfort you, I don't know what will. As you're facing battles in life, as you're facing your own personal struggles in life, you are not on your own. This is one of the things that captured my heart and my imagination as I, as I studied the angels and contemplated the angels, that we are not alone. We're not in this battle. Yes, we have God yes we have his presence promised never to leave us or forsake us yes christ lives in us his deity inhabits our humanity he we are alive in christ that's the resurrection message that we are alive in jesus christ Yes, Christ lives in us. The Spirit of God is working in us, energizing us and enabling us, especially our witness for Christ, comforting us. He is the helper. So sometimes you may wonder, if I've got all of that, if I've got the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if I have the Bible, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, why on earth would I need an angel? Well, the way I see it is this. The Holy Spirit works within God's presence within us, Jesus alive in us. The Holy Spirit producing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, self-control in our lives. That's the work within the Holy Spirit, And, and, and that's a powerful, precious work, making us more and more like Jesus. But angels work without and we're told in Scripture, if you believe the Bible, we're told in Scripture that these angels serve us at the command and commission of God. That they are present and accounted for in our lives to enable us, to encourage us, to give us victory. Now, our is in Jesus, but the angels are fighting for you. God is fighting for you, and he sends angels in your behalf. Incredible. Incredible. And my prayer is that you would be comforted and that you would live in confidence. Can you imagine the confidence that you would have if you knew you were surrounded by angel armies? Now, from time to time, uh, you may ask, I've been asked, do we all have a guardian angel? Do we have a guardian angel? Well, the scripture says the angels guard us. Whether or not we each have a specific angel guard, you know, an angel named Fred, to look after us. (laughs) I can't be sure of that. There's part of a verse, Jesus is talking about the little children in heaven, and he says, their angel, the angel of the babies, the little ones, their angel beholds the face of God. So there is that. But I don't believe you can hold... You know bring a whole spiritual reality to just that to say yeah okay there it is everybody's got their own personal angel some of you do need more than one and some of you are overworking the one you have let's put it this way i know i am my mother didn't think i'd live past 12 all the stuff i was getting into i needed an angel and i do believe an angel delivered me when i was a child i do and we can all look back On those times in our lives, that near accident, or that time we were so sick and the doctor says, probably not going to make it, or a child was in trouble, and something happened, some divine intervention took place. Some intersection between the natural realm and the supernatural happened. And there was this intervention, if you will, that took place. And when you look back on it now, you say, that was not just a natural occurrence. That was... Not just providence, providence, that was the promise of an angel. An angel showed up. The Bible says again in the book of Hebrews that, that angels, we often attend to them unaware, unaware of the angels. You may have seen angels and you will meet angels that helped you out along life's way when you get to heaven. Won't that be fun? I think one of the biggest things gonna happen we get to heaven the number one you know the number one word outside of Jesus that we're gonna hear in heaven I think this is gramology not theology but I think the number one thing you're gonna hear in heaven is aha that's what that was about that's what was going on That's why that happened. Oh, yes, there was an angel there who came and delivered me in that situation or delivered my child or our family. Yes, God, I get it. Now we see through a mirror darkly, but then we shall know even as we are known. We will see face to face. We'll understand it better by and by. Angels. One last thing, angels are not only worshipers and warriors, they are witnesses. Witnesses. The very word angel is angelos in your New Testament language. Angelos, which means messenger. Skip is an angel. Yes, he is. He's a messenger from God. In fact, in the book of Revelation, when it writes... To the churches in Revelation, so it will say, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, So was, to the angel of the church at Laodicea right." So the angel was the messenger, typically the pastor of the church. So that's a human messenger. You know, my wife's an angel. I know my grandkids are little angels. <laughs> Dev and I and our grandchildren, we have a common enemy, they're parents. Uh, <laughs> but that's another subject. And I should say, to clarify something, while there are human angels, pastors, and our precious ones, no human being ever becomes an angel. That's one of the biggest myths out there and mistakes out there regarding angels, that when people die, they, they get their wings in a halo, and they float on a cloud. How boring, you know? <laughs> No, people do not become angels. Angels are created by God for their purpose. We, as humankind, have been created by God. So little babies, I hear it a lot when parents are so, you know, brokenhearted. A little one, a child, an infant, so, is so disastrous, goes to, goes to heaven. Say, well, my little baby's now an angel. No. No. Human beings do not. This never taught in the Bible. You got that somewhere besides the Bible. The Bible does not tell us that human beings ever, ever, ever become angels. That angels are unique and distinct. They are the messengers from God, angelic messengers, rather than human messengers. messengers. So in that sense, they often show up witnessing and making huge announcements. Big announcements. Like the birth of Jesus, that was a big one. Mary you're going an angel comes Mary you're going to, you're going to bring the Christ child the Messiah into the world to Joseph in a dream two times an angel speaks and gives guidance and 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 then that who could forget that night on Bethlehem hillside when the heavens exploded and the glory of God was all around and the angel s- shows up and said unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord the first gospel preacher was an angel that night in Bethlehem and the angels roared in the Skies. Glory to God in the highest. That's a big announcement. So angels make these announcements. Angels were around the cross. There in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is sweating blood in preparing his life and surrendering his will to do the will of the Father, to put his life on the cross and to die for our sins on the cross. He's there. Praying, And then when the betrayers on the way with the guards and the soldiers, they're on their way uh, and to pick him up. And Simon Peter, you know, he starts whacking away with a sword. And Jesus said, put it down. He said, do you not know that I could call to my father and he would send ten thousands of ten thousands of angels to deliver me? Think about it. It wasn't, lo- it wasn't the nails that kept Jesus on the cross. Not the Romans who kept him there. Love fastened Jesus to the cross. He could have spoken and God would have sent the host, the heavenly host, to take him down. But he bled and he died for you and for me. Angels must have stood by with swords ready to draw to take them out. I mean, if I had been God, I'd say, go! Go get them. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And then on the third day, the women go to the tomb. And there's an angel sitting on the rock, the stone that had rolled away. And what did the angel say? He is not here. Again, He is not here. He is risen. That was the angel message. That's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive, alive. And the angels said it. And then people took that message and as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to turn the world upside down in the power of the Word of God and the gospel of our God. So angels made the announcement, but we give the witness. We are witnesses of these things and so also is the Holy Spirit. One final closing illustration. When Peter and John were in prison, locked up for preaching the gospel, they said, don't you ever speak this name Jesus again in our town. It's Jerusalem. They said, stop talking about Jesus. Or more of this, more of the the beatings will continue, and even death. Stop talking about Jesus. Can you imagine that? If somebody said to you under penalty of death, you cannot even speak his name again, you can't pray to him out loud, you can't talk to him, you can't speak of him. Sometimes we have to wonder would it really matter? We talk about a lot of things. Do we talk about Jesus all that much? But these guys, they said, we can't help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. You might as well have told the sun to stop shining as to tell these two godly men to stop talking about Jesus. So they're ready to go again. And an angel comes to get them out of jail. Now this is very important. What I'm about to to say right out of Acts chapter 5. The angel comes to get them out of jail and he opens the door, gets them out. And then the angel says to these two guys, John and Peter. Go, stand, speak all the words of this life. In other words, you get right back where you were, and you boldly stand there, and you keep speaking this message of life. This is our message. It's God's message. Isn't that what people are looking for? People all around us, folks, coming up this Easter, they will come to Easter service when they will come to nothing else. Why? Because they know their life isn't working out. Their lives are upside down. Their lives are a disaster. They're empty. Everybody's looking for life, for meaning, for purpose. And we have the words to this life. It's the word of Jesus, the word of God, the word of the resurrection. And angels can't tell that message. I mean, if God wanted to save the world, all he'd have to do is pull back the skies and go, boom! And everybody would believe. Or send an angel to just write it, Jesus is Lord. But that's not God's plan. We, his people, his church, we are the plan of God to evangelize the world. Starting with our neighbors and our nation and the nations. We are called to do and commanded to do what angels cannot do. The angels could get them out of jail. But the angel couldn't go for them to tell the good news of Christ. Only we can do that. I love your theme here as you get ready for that outdoor sunrise service and your services here. Everybody, everybody invite someone or invite someone. Let me get it right. Invite everyone. Bring someone. I need to write that down. You write that down. (laughs) Invite invite everyone bring someone why because someone you know needs to know the words of this life and you're a messenger and you're called to do what even the holy mighty angels will not do and cannot do because the angels have no salvation story to tell but we do we can go to someone and say, I was lost and headed in the wrong direction. I had no hope, but I came to Jesus. He's changed my life. He's forgiven my sins. Come and go to church and hear the words of this life. You don't have to say it like that, but you, you catch what I'm saying. We're witnesses. So let the angels prompt us to worship. Prompt us to war in spiritual warfare and engagement with the enemy and win. And prompt us to witness The angels speak of God's glory and God's greatness, and so do we. But we speak of also God's grace in our lives. Amen? Let's pray together. We thank you, O Lord, for these great truths that you created these angels to worship you, To war and to win in your behalf in spiritual conquest, we know that we are more than conquerors through you who have loved us. And Lord, that we might witness and speak the truths that only we can speak. That angels dare not even breathe the amazing grace that you have given us in our lives. We thank you for the angels, Lord. For the times they have guarded us, protected us when we don't even know it. But because of your love... And because of your protection, we are here today to celebrate all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church featuring our guest speaker, Dr. Jack Graham. How did this message impact you? We'd love to know. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. At and just a reminder, you can give financially to this work at calvaryabq.org give. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.